Please welcome Netza. I don't know if I'm, um, I am on. Look, I don't even have notes. I've become so confident in lockdown. I'm just going to wing it today. No, I'm joking. I've got them up here. Um, it really is amazing to see faces, um, to preach to faces. It's been a long time, and I know some of you might have seen some of the online stuff that we did and oh, preaching to cameras. I want to tell you that that is tough, okay, especially when you're like a pastor like me, where you like to hug people and see their faces and understand what's going on in the room. To speak to a little black box is... I don't know, it's almost like a form of hell on earth, in my opinion. <laughs> it's like there's no, nothing coming back to you, you know? Um, so it's just beautiful to see your faces. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful moment. I hope that my preaching will be good for you too. <laughs> but um, just, you know, as we were watching that, and I, I, I was thinking about um, the joy of being together. And I, I really want to encourage those of you particularly who call this uh, North Coast um, family home, to just recognize that there's a number of people in our community who can't come back for a while due to either comorbidities or concerns of children um, or concerns of parents. It just is going to be quite a prolonged season of us not being, you know, exactly as we were before. And so my encouragement to you is to really just daily just ask God if there's somebody on your heart in our community who might just need a shout out or a message or an encouragement or I haven't forgotten you, just, just do that. Um, it'll be beautiful. Um, and you ladies do that for Florida Road. It's great to have you with us. Um, okay, so yeah, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this space where we can be together again. And um, I just pray your blessing over our beautiful children out there. And I ask that God that this word today that you have put across all three of these sites would be a word that will grow deep roots inside of us. I know it's an important word, Lord. It's not an easy one, but I pray, God, that you would just open our hearts and position us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I think what I love so much about Rick and Lutz's message, are Anna and Sebring, can I ask you to just sit here so I'm not getting whiplash? Thanks. I'm so selfish. Thank you. What I love about Rick and Lutz's um, story is that you see very clearly with Rick that there's just this like God heaven component happening with Rick. There is something driving him on a journey. And then what you see is Lutz, and I, I just kind of really laughed at him because this kind of amused kid opening the door, and, and I'm not a pastor, but I'm just going to take this moment as a pastor because Lutz recognized in that moment that God was doing something, that Jesus was taking Rick somewhere. And all Lutz decided to do in that moment was to co-mission with God. And so he gives a rip whether he's, he's a pastor or not. He recognized a moment where there was an aching and a yearning in Rick's soul. And he decided to step in with God and go into this journey of what Rick needed in that moment. And so this series that we started is called Go and Make. And it's really a part of the verse that is known as the Great Commission. So um, the Great Commission is the final words that Jesus spoke before he ascended. We find them in Matthew, and then we find them again in Acts. They're slightly different, but they both carry the same essence. And I think, to me, you know, when you have been in church for any number of years, a lot of the things kind of just kind of bounce off you. They don't sink in, the, the reality of what they are. And 
if you consider that this is Jesus speaking to these people that he had loved, and this is the last opportunity he has to speak to them before leaving, try and imagine now you're a mom or a dad or brother or sister, and you're saying goodbye to your loved ones. You're going to choose very carefully what you say. These aren't just, oh, I'll just leave them with this. This is like, I have a few more seconds with these people. What am I going to leave them with? If I think of my family, if I were in the terrible position of saying goodbye to my family, maybe to go overseas, let's not say necessarily that it's the end of life, but whatever it is, I think I would be saying, look after each other. Please take care of each other. Or I'd be saying, I love you. Um, I'd certainly be saying to my children, don't care about marrying somebody with money. Just choose somebody kind. I always say that to my children. Just choose a kind person. But I know that if I were leaving, I would want this sense that they were going to take care of one another in my absence. And this is what I actually find in this great commission. So let me read it to you from Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, this is on the mount, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always into the very end of the age. Okay, so what is Jesus actually saying here? Go and make disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are followers of Jesus. But he's saying, baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, what this speaks of is actually him saying, unify them. Bring them back into us. Bring them back into this family, into this unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's saying, look after them. They're all my children. Go and bring them back. Gather them. Go and make them into people who will follow me and learn how to live in the absolute abundance of life. And he says, I will always be with you. In Acts, I think that's what he refers to when he says, I will send a gift that will help you and empower you. So this is his last and final words. And this is what he says, go and make. Now, go and make is obviously really a kind of a message of evangelism. It's like you go out there and make people Jesus followers. And I don't think I'm the only one when I say that. When I think of evangelism, I can feel quite a bit of cringe. I can feel a little bit awkward. I think of people who've kind of shoved it down people's faces and affronted people in streets with things. And um, I'm not knocking that if that's what somebody's been called to do. But for me personally, that's quite difficult when I, when I think of that type of evangelism. And um, it can feel quite forced and um, insensitive and arrogant. And I don't think anything should be forced on anybody except maybe Sage's chili sauce. If you haven't had that, uh, very important that you go and buy some Sage. I don't have shares in Sage's chili sauce, but I do think that's one thing that we would do well to force on one another. Um, you can also buy it at Spa, just saying. Um, but... You know, I think what potentially has gone wrong when people have wanted to evangelize and do this whole work of going and making is that they have this message of I'm right and you're wrong and I'm in and you're out as opposed to going, this is an invitation into the Father's love. Why would you want to live without knowing your Father's love? This year 
as we've gone through this unprecedented time, I've heard this said more than I've ever heard in my life before. People saying, how do, God, how do people cope without God? How do people cope without Jesus? And this is really the very essence of what we have to remember today as we go into this great work of going and making. It is this thing, this, this deep gratitude of going, how do people do it without God? For some of us, we just are aware of these moments where there is a peace that we can't understand. It makes no sense with what we're going through. Whatever that is, I think today what I want to do is invite you into a moment of starting to just remember or be reminded of what it is that Jesus means to you. So this is how we're going to do it. Just remembering that he's asked us to carry this message, okay? And if we're going out there just bullshit and arrogant and I'm right and you're wrong and, and all of that, it's, it's not going to be a message well received. But if we go out there as authentic carriers of something that is deeply valuable to us, that is what God wants. So close your eyes. No, I'm not going to make anybody do anything other than just close your eyes. And I want you to allow God to remind you of a moment or the moment when he changed everything for you, of how you felt before and how you felt after. And I think for some people, it can be that like massive Damascus moment where you were one way one minute and one way next. And for some of you, you've just always known that God was there. And for you, your story has been step after step after step into following your Savior. And for some of you, it has just been those unbelievable moments of peace that make no sense. For some of you, it's been hope that makes no sense. Maybe for some of you, you haven't had it yourself, but you've seen others' lives transformed by the power of Jesus. Whatever it is, just take a moment to let that settle in your spirit, the power of what you've seen Jesus do in your life or in other people's lives. I want you guys to remember that. Because what happens when we realize what he's done for us is that we grow again in a deep sense of reverence, which is important for us. I think sometimes we carry very lightly this gift that Jesus has given us, this gift of every day being a new day and of fresh start and water that just washes away and takes away all the stuff that is so awful. So let's carry with reverence and humility, that beautiful thing that he has done, that actually we have nothing to do with except making ourselves available to his goodness. And as you remember that, remember that in terms of being somebody who authentically goes and makes, that you just are so aware of what it is that he's done with you that you've always got the words ready to tell people the reason for your hope. 
That's what we're asked to do, to always have a reason to give for our hope. So today we're talking about the people that Jesus chose to do this go and make thing, okay? Um, what I love about Jesus, and I think what everybody, whether people are Christians or not, what they love about Jesus is who he chose. He chose the absolute scallywags and scumbags, um, the people that no other members of society would ever dream of choosing. Considering that he's got this most important message for humanity that he needs to spread across the whole world and all nations, to think that he didn't choose the most eloquent and the most put-together and the most sin-free, um, righteous-looking people is absolutely staggering. He literally, it seems like he went out and offensively chose the ragamuffins. That's literally what it seems like he did. And um, what we're going to look at today is that not only did he choose the ragamuffins and the prostitutes and even women. I mean, women then in those days were considered the same or less than dogs. Um, men used to wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God, for not making me a dog or a woman. Um, you know, he just scandalously chose the very ones that society wouldn't choose. <clears throat> and what we see in this is that he, he didn't say, I need the best of the best. He trusted that his God had the power to transform the worst of the worst. So let's pick up here from Matthew 9. Uh, with one of the most messed up people, probably in his most messed up state, and he's going, you, I'll pick you to carry this most absolutely important message. So Matthew 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and we're reclining with Jesus and the disciples. Now, you have to understand a tax collector in those days, okay? It wasn't like the dudes that saw us now. The tax collectors were absolute rotters. There's no other way to say it. Um, they were not only taking what the government needed, they were skimming off the top and taking to enrich themselves. Um, they were the, the very people that, that, that they'd grown up with you, and yet they were quite happy to further impoverish you. Um, I want you to try and think of somebody in our country, in your life, in our nation, whatever it is, who you would struggle to even be in the same room with, let alone say, come, let's eat a meal. Okay, I'm thinking like Guptas. I'm thinking like corruption. I'm thinking of people stealing from the mouths of people. Those kind of people are what we're talking about here. Jesus went and said, you, come follow me. Come, let's go and have a meal together. So he takes that guy, Matthew. And imagine how scandalous that was for Jesus' reputation. Like seriously, it would have been so easy for him to go and pick the righteous looking religious sorts. And he just didn't. He was so convinced of the power for God to transform the worst of the worst into the best of the best. He knew that the gospel had the power to change hearts. <clears throat> and that God doesn't need the gifted. He doesn't need to go and assemble the best and choose the gifted. He knows that God is the gift that the people need. So Jesus calls this self-absorbed, greedy man who is destroying people around him's lives. 
And we're going to look at a couple of tax collectors quickly today. But what we see is that in all these absolute scumbags and ragamuffins that Jesus chose, there's one thing that was unanimous to all of them, and that was authenticity. They weren't pretending to be something that they weren't. They weren't acting high and mighty. In fact, the one thing that Jesus hated and never selected when he was choosing people was the prideful ones. He didn't want the people who looked like they had it all together and stipulated that they had it all together. So let's have a look at a couple more of these examples of the kind of people that he chose. From Matthew 9, 11, 13. This is continuing from where I was. And when the Pharisees, the Pharisees are religious ones, the ones who are doing everything right in, in the religious people's eyes. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said this. It's absolutely beautiful. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician or a doctor. But those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, I think what Jesus is saying in this example is that he's looking for people who are honest, not people who are perfect. People who can actually say, I'm sick. There's something wrong with me. I'm afraid. I'm greedy. I'm addicted to porn. I have evil, angered thoughts. He's looking for people who are honest about their condition, who could come to him and say, I'm in need of healing. I am in need of a spiritual doctor. Because those are the very people who, once they've been healed in Jesus, will go forth and go and make. Those are the people who will go out and say, I know how it feels to be where you are. It's very difficult for people who've got it all together to actually have empathy and to actually have those testimony moments of going, I was this way and he made me that way. And you know, when it's not God who's done the healing, then we creep into pride because it's like, Paul, it's all on me. I've done it all. I didn't need him. I didn't need that. So God is looking for an honest people, the people who are quite okay to say, I have these struggles and I'm in need of healer. Luke 18 verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you. Just listen to the utter arrogance. God, this is the Pharisee, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes and all of that, and all that, of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. And so here, we just see that Jesus would rather choose the sinner who is humble than the religious righteous man who beats his chest and is prideful. God wants us to be honest and he wants us to be humble. And you know the go make disciples 
being a disciple is following Jesus, is becoming like him. And there is no better example that I know of in all of history for humility than Jesus. Um, this is the king of the universe who could have chosen any way to come to us. And he came as a baby into a poor family, not as a king into a palace. And he could have ridden into uh, Jerusalem just before his crucifixion on a stallion with a red carpet. And he came on a donkey with people throwing their jackets down before him. And instead of donning a crown of gold, he took on a, a, a crowny thorn, a, a thorn of crowns, a, crown, a crown of thorns. <laughs> this, this man modeled humility. And he invites us into that. Because the moment we're doing it on our own, our own strength and our own do-gooding, we leave no room for Jesus. It's all about us. What do we need him for? And how does that invite people into the story of Jesus? That's inviting people into the story of us and our goodness. And that's a terrible thing to do. The final tax collector, this is beautiful, is Zacchaeus. I think most of you know about Zacchaeus. Certainly people with little children have sung the song about Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree. Let me read this from Luke 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, this is Jesus, he entered Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So like chief scumbag. And he was very rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus, who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up the sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. When they, the religious guys, when they saw it, they grumbled. Oh, he's gone to be in the a guest in the house of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, what we see out of Zacchaeus' story is two things. The first is this willingness to change. And do you know that the biblical word for changing our mind is actually repentance? Repentance is changing our minds in alignment with what God wants, in alignment with his goodness. It's just like, I was doing it this way, but now I see a better way and I change my mind. And this is what Zacchaeus does. Now, you've got all these religious chaps standing around who would have wanted Zacchaeus to change because of anger and fury and lightning bolts. But we're told that it is kindness that leads to repentance. And so there's Zacchaeus. He climbs up a tree because he's so short. And Jesus sees this absolute top of the scumbags and says, come down. And he displays kindness. And it is kindness that changes Zacchaeus's heart. You know, there's nothing I love more than meeting with and talking with people who are open to changing their mind, who aren't defensive. You don't come with their pre-decided arguments and say, but this is how it is, but who are actually open to changing their mind. It's a beautiful trait. I love it. And I think that God loves it. And so that's the first thing, is we have Zacchaeus who was willing to change his mind. He had climbed up that tree to see Jesus and have this encounter. But the bigger thing about Zacchaeus is that 
he actually made a way to climb up there and see what Jesus was doing, to get involved in what God was doing, to go, what is this all about? I want to position myself to see where Jesus is going and how I can follow him. It's like what Luther did. He, he saw this moment where Jesus was coming into Rick's life and he said, I'm going to climb up the sycamore tree and do something. I'm going to go where Jesus is going in this young man's life. You know, it's about that co-mission. It's about God doing something in Rick and Lutz doing something with God. It's about this preparation in God and then us just going, I'm going to step into this mission. Jesus, where are you going? I'm climbing this tree to see what you're doing and go where you're going. And when, when Sheldon and I first became believers, somebody gave me a, a beautiful little book. Um, and we were like the worst of the worst, hey? Um, God like scraped us out of a nightclub floor. Um, but we were so in love with Jesus after we'd given our lives to him. And we were so on fire. And this just stuff is bursting out of you. And somebody in their wisdom gave me a book to try and, I suppose, like, you know, <laughs> um, make it safe for people to be around me. But um, one of the chapters in this book said, uh, it was called God Appointments. And it taught me to pray for God to send people to me, as opposed to me, I suppose, running down and bashing people's doors down, which again, I'm not knocking. But I was praying this prayer, God, please send me appointments, okay? And then this book also said that not only would he send me appointments, but that he would prepare me for those conversations. So here I am, an absolute newbie at this faith thing. And I was reading this book because I had gone to the cross. I had gone to my moment of salvation with a thousand, no, maybe a million questions about science and evolution and the ark and everything, all these questions. And yet in that moment of, of, of saying, Jesus, I choose you, I just went, oh, well, I'll just see what happens. I'll leave my questions there for a moment and see if it's real. And it was real. <laughs> it was utterly real. The love that flooded me that day changed everything. But I still had the questions. It's just the questions didn't really matter. But I recognized other people had questions. So I was reading and reading and reading. And I was hosting book club. And uh, one of the girls in book club says, hey, there's this new girl who's just started working with us. And she's from Joburg. And I feel like she's having a really rough time. Can she come along? And I said, yeah, sure. Not even thinking, oh, God appointment. It ended up that she stayed till the end and she was the God appointment. And she was literally asking me the questions that I had been reading about that afternoon. You see, there was the God and there was the me. And it's a commission. We're commissioned to do this with him. This girl came on the next Alpha. This is about 18 years ago. She gave her life to God. She had had an unspeakably difficult life. And if I told you the things that have even happened since coming to God, you wouldn't believe me. But she went on to have two young girls that she has raised um, mostly on her own. I think they're about 10 and 11 now. Um, and she is one of those ladies who will say, I don't know how people live without Jesus. I don't know how they do without God. She's one who, when I went back to the first Florida Road service, had tears streaming down her face saying, I've missed this so much. She's the one who authentically carries what Jesus has done, which we're invited to all carry ourselves to. We carry this beautiful message that we should carry with reverence and humility because it's, it's what he's done. He, 
in all of our stories, he's been working to do something. And usually there was somebody else that he brought along in commission with him to go and make. And so we get to live in this beauty of this connection with our father into a, a, a wider spiritual family. And guys, people need him. They need him. In those moments of calamity, they need that voice that whispers peace where there is nothing else. I'm just going to share this morning, Sheldon and Nick went down to the beach to surf. And this was like such a wake up to us because there was an old couple, what a privilege, this old couple in their 70s um, had gone down, the man to surf and the wife to bodyboard. I mean, how joyous to be 70 year old and go and do that together. And there was a tragedy and the, the old man, I think, probably hit his head or something on the, on the sandbank and he passed away on the beach this morning. And sadly, Shell and the guys, um, the little boys, um, they saw this. And, you know, he came home and shared this with me. And I just, you know, we're, we're in a, a world of people who are dying. And we're here because God has intersected our lives at some point and invited us into this beautiful love story. And there are so many out there who are so desperate for this hope and this peace and this love. And I'm not trying to put a heavy on you guys, but I really felt like, wow, this was a sobering reminder today that we are gifted with this Savior alive inside of us. And he has this message for us, and he says, go and make, go and bring my children home. Bring them into this life that I've made a way for them to have. And it's not an arrogant message it's a beautiful invitation. So I'm going to ask you all to just stand and let's have a moment of praying together. I feel that there are two people in this room, two different prayers that probably need to be prayed today. And I feel like the first group of you are again just to be reminded of this powerful, life-altering thing that Jesus has done inside of us. Some of you need to pray that, for that to be fueled inside of you again. And some of you might be sitting here and saying, I'm not sure that I've ever had such an encounter. So I'm going to pray into those. And if anybody would like prayer afterwards, I invite you to come up for prayer. Jesus, I thank you for your mind-blowing, staggering love for us that you would go to the cross to show us your love. That there is this open-armed invitation to every one of your children on this earth to come into this family and to find unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to find unity with brothers and sisters, to not go at this difficult life alone, to have access to peace and fresh beginnings every day, to be healed of every sickness and addiction that plagues our existence. Father, thank you for what you have done in our lives. May we carry that with such uh, reverence and humility that would help us carry who you are with authenticity to a world around us that is dying for you, God. And Father, 
for those who have come here today and maybe don't know that they've had the encounter that they desire, I pray right now, Jesus, for a flooding of your love, of your power, of your peace, of your hope right now into the very center of their being. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you would choose us with all of our faults and flaws to be the ones to go and make. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, it's been so wonderful to be with you. Please grab a ca cappuccino or a tea. Oopsie, I turned that off too soon. Please try not to hug each other. I know it's hard. Um, but only with absolute mutual consent may you hug, okay? Um, it's been so good to be with you. Please, if you're wanting to get stuck into the life of a ladies' group or men's group or Bible study, please sign up at the info desk at the back. It's been so good to be with you. Don't forget to encourage somebody who's on your heart this week. Lots of love.